passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to Post Wrestling. Joining us today on the show to break down the ongoing UFC betting scandal. An individual who knows this world inside and out. He has served as a matchmaker, a producer in the field of television. Welcome back to Post Wrestling. Cody Safdick, who is here with us. Cody, how are you doing today? What's going on, John? I am always to be happy to be on Post Wrestling. However, it takes a betting controversy and a guy maybe going to jail in order to get me on the show. I will take it. Only the finest stories uh, bring in uh, Cody Safdick. So, Cody, I mean, you are somebody that, as long as I have known you, you have always understood sort of um, line movements and the the impact that uh, gambling has had in mixed martial arts and with it such a a giant area now for of sports gambling was this a uh, whole controversy this story could you foresee an issue like this happening where information flows like water in mixed martial arts and you know it was you know something that you know now there is a way to monetize that information yeah, absolutely. It's actually like a perfect melting pot of issues. So it's not only just the gambling side of things. It also comes back to fighter pay. Because if you went to LeBron James and you were like, I'm going to put $100,000 against you, I need you to throw the game. He's making hundreds of thousand dollars a game. You cannot be persuaded by a guy like that. If you throw millions of dollars on the line, well, that's when you start, you know, uh, you're, you're causing red flags. You're not floating under the radar all of a sudden. MMA fighters, because of that discussion of if a fighter's making 12 and 12, and he can then, you know, say, you know what? I'm going to bet that $12,000 against myself to lose by first round knockout, which at six to one is going to pay me, you know, I, I can make $60,000. I can make $100,000 on a 10 to one prop bet instead of fighting the actual fight. So it's way easier to maybe persuade an MMA fighter that needs the money. Why are these guys fighting hurt to begin with? Does an NHL player go out with a blown out knee? Does a football player go out? Well, you know, if he had to, if it was game time and it was a big game, of course, they're going to play through it injured. But MMA is one of those sports where it's like, if you don't have a regular job, you need to fight three times a year and presumably win just to break even on your hobby, which is a career uh, difficult spot. In James Krause's situation, very happy to talk about it. Uh, it's almost like he was very brazen with it. He set up all the pieces to not fly under the radar, but to be in the public spotlight. And that was just a bad idea right from the get-go. Yeah. So really what was the breaking point came um, about a month ago when uh, Derek Minner was fighting uh, Shylin Norden-Becca. This was on the November 5th card. And in the hours leading up to the fight, we saw some excessive line movement that people were um, noticing. Um, was this something that you were paying attention to that day, Cody? And tell me what was so irregular that really caught, uh, you know, that the red flags went up that people were cautious about? 
So what's irregular about it is these lines get set maybe a month, maybe two months in advance. So the betting public gets a soft opener right off the get-go that says, oh, this is a 50-50 fight. It's minus 110 both sides. Then the public is going to bet this fight and say, well, I think Minner's going to lose, but ever so slightly. So his opponent's a minus 150 favorite. Minner's only considered a slight underdog at that point. When that much money would come in that fast and change this line three, 400 points, it's a lot of money coming in at one time right? That's not usually particularly seen. The other notable example of this happening in the UFC would have been a fight between Young Bang versus Leo Kuntz. And in the lead up to it, the line swung almost 300 points towards Kuntz. As it turns out, Young Bang had been approached, been offered $60,000 to throw the fight. The UFC was alerted to the fact that there was an irregularity in the gambling line. So they approached both of them backstage and were like, any funny business, you're going to jail. And Taeyong Bang got cold feet and ended up winning a split decision, got death threats, got released from the UFC. But you could see the line move 300 points. It seems suspicious where there's smoke, there's fire. And in that case, there was an issue going on there. In the case with Derek Minner, it's like, how did information get out at the last minute that would drastically change it that much? Well, it must have had to have been an insider information, insider information. That's interesting because his head coach just so happens to be a guy that sells insider information. He has a popular discord, is a popular uh, show in which him and his buddy, they talk openly about gambling. He's betting on his own fighters. They said they had $2 million on David Onama when he lost to uh, Nate Landwehr. And now you need to recoup that money. So what's the easiest way to recoup on your loss? Well, to maybe have somebody go and throw an inside job. Now, I'm not saying he did because it's all allegedly. However, all the pieces are in place that James Krause is selling insider information. He's so brazen. He gets his gambling show put on UFC Fight Pass. He's so brazen. He goes on Ariel Hawani's show and basically does a full infomercial about his discord and how you can come and buy picks off him and how he makes more money on gambling than he ever did in fighting in the UFC or coaching world champions like Brandon Moreno. He just brought a lot of negative attention to himself. And then to have this happen, what do you think? People are obviously going to point fingers, right? Yeah. And it gets into a really interesting area and again like the investigation is ongoing so we can't pin you know on on james kraus until proven guilty but even in the sense of somewhere in between of it doesn't have to necessarily be a fighter going in with the knowledge of losing a fight but if you have Derek minner who from all reports went into this fight very compromised i mean you're taking this information as a coach that he is injured he is not near a hundred percent that the odds of victory here are severely uh, against this fighter that that information can certainly be be monetized and this has to exist across the spectrum in mixed martial arts where i mean you are essentially you know you are in touch with camps and rarely do fighters go into a fight without bumps and bruises and in the case of a tj dillashaw like really no business being in a fight but to your point about fighter pay it's very difficult to just take a fight off when you might not have fought in the last year you've paid for a camp and in those final two weeks you blow out your shoulder or you blow out your back and it's just gut your way through but how much is that circle around you aware of this information that now has a price tag attached to it so that's the thing with TJ Dillashaw. He went into his fight compromised. By his own account, it's popping out 20 times a day in practice. Okay, He's had doctors look at it. He's had coaches look at it. All of his training partners that were brought in would be made aware of the fact that when I train with TJ Dillashaw, his arm dislocates. They would go home and tell their wives. They would tell their friends, hey, I trained with TJ today, popped his shoulder out. How come the line never swung on that? 
right? Because it wasn't in the proper hands. Uh, somebody that says, geez, I think my buddy TJ is going to lose and puts a hundred bucks on it or puts a thousand bucks on it is not going to change the line, right? James Krause on one hand has openly said he had up to $2 million on David Onama, right? That's his circle of gamblers have that money because no disrespect to James Krause, he don't have $2 million, right? He was a, he was a fringe 15 contender at best for a short tenure in the UFC. He's coached some good guys by his own account, never got rich fighting, never got rich coaching. I'm making my money gambling. So these guys would have a pot of money that they were willing to put up. These guys put up the money behind Onama. These guys lost. Where did that money come from? I don't know, but people would be pissed off about that. Now you have to recoup some of that. So you're going into a fight with Derek Minner and the line's going to switch that heavily. Well, it would be very brazen to put that much money. If you're James Krause, you're going to get caught. And if the guy's close enough to James Krause, maybe he gets caught. They're obviously going to investigate whoever put the large sum of money on it. But you see, James Krause goes one step further. So he on his little Discord, he's got 5,000 members. And he decides, hey, I'm going to offer a service. You sign over your account to me and my guys. You give us your account. Give us your email. Give us your information. Give us your password. And we will take over your account and make the money for you. You don't got to do anything. You just got to hang out and watch fights. We'll send you the money back. So now what you do here is you've diversified where the money's coming from. Because if you took over 100 accounts, 200 counts, 300 counts, there's money coming from different areas, right? The whole thing smells scheme. It smells pyramid scheme. Um, but who am I to say? Cause it's all alleged, right? There's no like actual facts that have come out. So we're basically just sitting here discussing our opinion, but I it feel those, fa- those facts will come, come out like with all these investigations going on. Like this is, this is a, a big issue. This is not one that is just going to quietly go away. I feel for James Krause. Can you tell me a little bit about this uh, discord and were you ever in th- th- this discord? Um, did you ever like, um, because it sounds like it was like $20 to join this Discord. I was not aware of the information that they're pretty much handing over their accounts here. But um, yeah, it seems like, man, you were really peddling in a, in a gray area that, um, you know, enough sh- sunlight gets onto this. You're going to have knocks on your door. Could you imagine like any other sport where it's like Bill Belichick sells picks for other teams in the NFL? <laughs> like, it's so asinine. Like this world doesn't exist. They would never let a coach from any professional team sell picks on the side. But also none of those, those guys would need to because they're being financially compensated enough to just live a regular life and just do coaching. So he's tried to like bond himself out. Personally, never bought into the Discord. I do my own picks. I don't sell my own picks, but I've always done my own previews. I've always done my own selections. I'm not really interested in, in, you know, his, his hot insider trading tips unless they were really hot. But I will let you know of my 18,000 followers on Twitter, a lot of them do follow his Discord. And I'm in private chats with guys, and they'll kind of send me the screen grabs. They'll kind of send me what the insider info is. So in terms of uh, the Discord, yeah, super successful. 20 bucks. There's 5,000 people in it. They said that it was like a good community. People were really uh, – I, I didn't bash James Krause. I just put out a whole thing that was like, if you think this guy is betting that much money on these fights, like – for a guy that's just come out of left field as a, a gambling guru in the last year, like it, it didn't, it didn't seem to logically add up to me. And there's a lot of people that were like, it doesn't matter if the picks are even all that good. It's a good community and they're passing information about this and that. So right away they would be like, well, isn't it a conflict of interest? But he decided to keep going down that path. Um, the account takeover, that's when I started to get red flag where it's like, you know what? Something's going on here. Why would you offer to take over people's accounts and play the money for them? Why not just allow them to do it themselves? So 
Yeah, it's James Krause is very, very smart, both as a fighter and as a coach. When he fought in the UFC, in MMA in general, he had high ring IQ. He made good choices when he was a cage fighter. As a coach, he's known for being a high ring IQ coach that generally puts together the best plans, right? So he's not a dummy. And I can't see him walking into a Nevada casino and dropping that money himself under his own name. It didn't happen. So they're going to have to chase around the money, but he's going to get recode for racketeering because you can't, it's insider trading. It'd be the same thing with a stock. If you knew the stock was going to tank and you told people and you profited off that stock tanking, you're going to jail. That's basically what he did here with Derek Minner. He knew he was compromised to a certain extent. The information got out. People decided to bet against Derek Minner. The line shifted heavily, which meant millions of dollars probably came in. And now people have lost that money and they're going to go looking for it. According to Josh Thompson, they've already seized James Krause's iPads, cell phones, computers. It's going to be a couple month long investigation. But keep in mind, the UFC initially comes out and they're like, they clear him of wrongdoing. They're like, well, from what we can tell, nothing actually happened here. right? And they stick by him for like week, maybe 10 days. Now, as this pressure is amounting, now Ontario says, we're done taking UFC bets. Now, Alberta says, yeah, we're done taking UFC bets too. New Jersey says, we're done taking UFC bets too. Now you've lost a lot of money, John. There's a lot of money that just got lost here. So 100% this guy's going to get investigated. And like if he did anything wrong, if he jokingly sent a message, because I've seen some screen grabs, they were pretty incriminating, but I don't know what's real or not because it's so damn easy these days just to forge something. So the FBI and them, they'll do their information. But I come from horse racing, right? Bet horses, race horses. You get in a lot of shit. You can only bet your own horse. That's the only horse you can bet in the race. You can bet yours. If you're confident things are going to win, you can bet. You can't bet the rest of them. James Krause want to bet on Derek Minner. That's one thing. To bet against Derek Minner, mmm. And maybe he didn't do it, but to tell other people to do it, to insinuate to other people to do it in the last three hours before the fight happened, come on. Is that so many coincidences lining up? I don't know. Well, and, and there's also a scenario where Derek Minner is injured going into this fight and could be like absolutely has no control over this information like he is entrusting this information in a circle and this guy's been released from the UFC it's like I'm not, I'm not going to paint Derek Minner guilty or innocent but there is that scenario where I yeah I was going into this fight hurt and I was not profiting off of this in any way shape or form but those around me could have been you know the interesting thing actually about that though to me and not that this is all just speculation of course but uh but so let's say Derek Minner knows his knees thrashed. His knees blown out. His coaches know about it. People betting clearly know about it. It means everybody knows about it. That would and, and it's also like throwing a kid. Like the money came in as well for the fight to end early, and he immediately throws a kick. Winces in pain. Throws another kick. So I mean, the red flags were just up in arms after this fight when you combine the line movement to what the money was coming in for a probable outcome to what the actual income outcome was here i mean this was just ufc had to act in some way because you are going to get the wrong kind of attention with all of these quote-unquote coincidences yeah that's exactly it then that's what i'm getting back at you mentioned earlier in the show it's like these guys are going to go in hurt and all the time they go in hurt it's like you got to devise a plan around how you're going to fight hurt so it's like man i got a rib injury well this is how i'm going to get around it man i got a hand injury okay well i'm gonna have to throw elbows in close quarters and try to line them up on my right side throw a lot more kicks you would make the game plan around that so so we've already acknowledged that he knew his knee was blown out and we can basically acknowledge that People within his camp knew that his knee was blown out. So for a guy that's got like 24 submission wins, who's fighting a guy who's got like 
seven submission losses. In fact, like 90% of his losses were by submission. Why would the game plan not have been pull a guard if you're that compromised? Why wouldn't the game have been push this guy up against the cage and try to snatch up to the neck? The guy's got a guillotine choke over TJ Laramie in 49 seconds. Snatch onto the neck. And if the guy pops his neck free and starts raining down ground and pound, just roll over and cover up. And then the ref will say, defend yourself, Derek. And don't. And then they'll stop it. Wouldn't that be way easier? But no, no, let's go throw a kick. Let's go throw a kick on your bad side. And as you acknowledge, damn, this hurts, you decide, I'm going to throw it again. So then people are going to be like, well, so many things, John, so many things. Do you remember a fight? Do you remember a fight with Matus Nicolau and Tim Elliott? Uh, Refresh me on the circumstances. So again, Tim Elliott, long times James Krause guy, left Las Vegas. Gene Muzani comes to, to to Glory MMA and Fitness as well, and he's kind of got a little resurgence going. He's taking on you know a hot flyweight prospect in Matus Nicolau, and he comes in as the betting underdog, which means the money is on Matus Nicolau. The first two rounds end up being really really close and for the record tim elliott wins the first round maybe wins the second round but nah it's one one going into the third of a good fight and tim elliott has a very good opportunity of springing a live underdog win here he goes to his corner to go to the third round and james Krause tells him tim you're up two rounds don't fight this guy don't engage this guy just hold on third round starts of a fight that's one one which online, everybody online has it 1-1. The commentators have it 1-1. He's told Tim Elliott, you're up 2 nothing." Tim gets taken down to start the third round, and James just keeps yelling out for the whole round, Tim, you're up two rounds, hold on. Tim, you're up two rounds, hold on. Tim holds on for the entire third round. Goes to the judges' scorecards. He loses a 29-28 to Matus Nicolau. James goes on record because it takes a lot of flack on that. Goes on record and apologizes online and says, you know what? It was bad coaching advice. I, I thought he was up two rounds. I thought he was good in that third round, but you know, that, that's a, that's a my bad. And so people just brush it off as a my bad. But now that you're looking back at certain instances, it's like, well, the money was on Matus Nicolau. So Tim Elliott now needs to go and lose his fight. Tim ends up doing way better than anybody thinks. Tim is not in on the fix very clearly. James might have money against him. James might not have thought Tim had that good of a camp. James might thought Tim wasn't going to win this fight. Who knows? Speculation. Who knows? The fact is he gave him bum advice when it mattered and cost his fighter the fight. So that stuff like that's going to come back under the microscope. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister and putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. It's and you know you're gonna look back and it's going to be you know under that era of of speculation like that stuff it's going to be viewed a a certain way and James Krause will get his day to mm-hmm. offer his defense like that is how this works and I think with an investigation at this high of a level I, I think you're you're very much going to get a thorough breakdown of what actions he was or not engaging in when it comes to the UFC's role in this prior to the the Minner fight with uh Norden Becca they did put out um a new addition to their athlete code of conduct restricting any kind of gambling by its fighters and coaches attached with them training partners family members 
too little, too late for, for UFC to be putting that out there because just you outlining that story, Cody, it just seems as you're in bed with DraftKings and you are seeing just such a proliferation of sports gambling, like this to me is, and let's be honest, despite what Dana White might argue, um, a roster that I would say that if you were to pull them privately and say, are you compensating fairly or underpaid, I think many would go for the latter in that option. And now, what do I have access to? I have access to information in my camp uh, from different camps around. Information is very loose in this sport. And now there is a way that I can monetize it on this. So in that sense, like what was the UFC's responsibility in, in all of this? Well, the UFC obviously has to keep uh, maintain a clean reputation because at the you don't want the number one worst case scenario is people start calling the fights fixes. They don't just say Minner's fight was a fix. They just start calling all the fights fixes. And let me tell you, casual fans think most of the fights are fixes already. So you need to clean your reputation. I watched a super interesting documentary the other night about um, that the, the NBA scandal, right? So it's like you have a referee that's shaving points and people are betting on it and it's swinging the line movement and alerts them. And all David Stern can do and come out with the NBA and be like, we are 100% against this. And you know what? Let us go after this guy too. And let us throw the, the full extent of the law and let us fully cooperate because you don't want to be like, no, no, we're not cooperating. It would be a bad image. So the UFC 100% number one thing, Minner gone. That's an easy one because it's not like he could come back down the road and be like, I was unfairly cut. <clears throat> no, you really weren't all that good in the UFC. Well, enough that you could cut him and no one's going to raise any eyebrows, right? So get him off the roster is the first thing, right? But then they say James Krause suspended. He can't a- attend any events. He can't coach. Then they furthermore say any of the guys from his gym cannot use him as a coach. They cannot train out of his gym. That's all good stuff. In terms of the telling fighters their friends and family and training partners and coaches can't bet on them, that's the same way as Dana saying you can't illegally stream the fights. It's a great theory. It's a great theory. How are you going to enforce it, right? It's nearly impossible. No, it's it's more it's it's a cover your ass policy for the UFC that hey we have this in writing, but again yes. it, the enforcing of that seems impossible, um, impossible that you could um, you know sanction uh, gambling from family members or just hangers on at, at a gym, um, but it's it's one where you know certainly the UFC when you have. Uh, the, the Ontario gaming board citing like integrity issues, Alberta following suit, New Jersey doesn't want anything to do with James Krause related fighters like that. That is where it's a pressure point for the UFC. And, you know, you go higher up the ranks of, you know, your promoter's license. Uh, like this is all stuff that, you know, when you're starting to talk about the RICO Act and stuff like that, that is going to apply a whole lot of pressure. And it's it's a question of what James Krause's future in this sport will be no matter what the outcome of this investigation is will there be a promotion that just does not want to even flirt with disaster when when it comes to james kraus and what his reputation will be well the thing is is that not every product is bettable right so the ufc would worry about it because they don't want people not betting on their fights bellator would worry about it pfl would worry about it but at the end of the day if you just chose to operate a small gym in kansas and you know, fed fighters out to regional promotions and built them up. Uh, yeah, I don't think anybody's worried about him taking a dive for free, right? Anybody of his fighters taking a dive for free, it would be more so what are the stakes on it? So it's definitely a bad image for him. And the same way as Pete Rose, right? Pete Rose is a Hall of Famer. He should be in the Hall of Fame. There was that, you know, little instance of he was betting on games and, and now all of a sudden he can't get in the Hall of Fame. They won't let him in. So it followed him around for the rest of his life, for the rest of his career. And it did definitely tarnish his legacy. James Krause is a fine coach. There's now, he, keep in mind, 
retires from fighting, starts a small little gym in Kansas. That gym includes Zach Cummings, and you know they bring in Gina Mazzani. He has Tim Elliott. He has a, a few low grinders, and then all of a sudden it starts becoming more of a destination place. And he starts building talent, and he has Jeff Molina, and he has Grant Dawson. And all of a sudden, look, Brandon Moreno is leaving Mexico to come to Kansas to train under me. And you got your first world champion. The ball's rolling. Your gym's growing. Your reputation's growing. You do fine work. Why push? Why push it? Why push it that little bit extra? But I think just money is a is a is a th- crazy thing. You know, you get greed. You see the opportunity to maybe cash out on one quick one. Canadian fans that watch Trailer Park Boys will refer to it as the big dirty. But it's like, why not just hit one quick one and then we're good? Then we can afford new gym equipment and we can afford to go legit for a while and just collect money on this community of five thousand people that we've created on Discord. Like, why not go legit? But sometimes you want to hit that that one real quick one in order to, you know, maybe to kind of get going again. I think he's a really smart guy. I think that if he was to sit here and, and give his side of the story, we would both look at each other and say, yeah, actually this all, the all makes sense. He's a, you know, a smart enough guy and he's well-spoken to be able to come in and present a good defense. But again, the evidence to just a casual person, the evidence to someone who maybe just looks at this even just briefly I think you can see enough frag, red flags that you're like something's definitely going on behind the scenes. So I don't see what he's what he's going to be able to come up with. Uh, but I feel like this is going to be a long, drawn out investigation because they're investigating him. They're going to investigate Derek Minner. They're inve- going to investigate this Shea guy. They're gonna he deleted the Discord, right? So now they're going to have to get an IT company, a warrant from a judge to get an IT company to then go and try to find the deleted Discord so they can comb through. Thousands and thousands of messages to see what was said. Was a was a certain key line said? Was a certain thing dropped? Was a certain emoji repetitively coming up during fights? Like it's a it's a lo- someone that makes a lot more money than I is going to be looking at a whole lot of files for a few months. Yeah, let's let's all think of that poor individual who gets tasked with going through an MMA Discord um, a year. <laughs> um, final thing on this is sort of the. The subject of James Krause being where this begins and ends versus James Krause is just and his you know role in this being the tip of the iceberg to a larger structural problem. Like I think it's very hard to imagine that if this kind of um, activity happened in one place, this was just a guy that put a big spotlight on it, and this could be going on you know across the board and just done in a much more. Um, reclusive fashion like this could be you know a major spotlight on mixed martial arts its relationship to gambling a focus on the fighter pay issue like to me it's interconnected with a lot of other big topics that i am sure the ufc wants to just put a lid on this and contain it to this one coach and uh, a fighter or two and i i think like it could be much bigger than that if this thing is uh, you know uncovered yeah, well, 100%. I mean, it, UFC kind of is a gambling product. A lot of the fan base that are the hardcores that are going to watch every single fight on every single event, it's because they've got some type of monetary action on it. So it's important to the UFC to try to maintain a clean reputation, but also for these gambling sites to then say, and these these jurisdictions to say, well, we're not going to take bets on on UFC. Well, UFC, you know, if one guy threw a fight here or there, would probably still be much cleaner than Bellator. And let me tell you, Bellator 
much cleaner than BKFC. And you can go on these sites and check out stuff from, from Czech Republic and you can bet KSW from Poland and you can bet stuff from We Love MMA from Germany and you can watch BFL Fight League from, from BC. John, I'm telling you, you can bet on all of these promotions. So why are they worried about the UFC where there's millions of eyeballs on it? No, they should be more worried about these other ones. The difference is those places that they have soft limits. You can only bet a couple hundred bucks. The UFC, because it's a big product and it's in Vegas, it's the NFL of, of, of mixed martial arts. You can go into a sports book and drop a couple hundred grand. It's not, it's not crazy to be watching the UFC and DraftKick Sportsbook, big bet alert. Someone just dropped $50,000 on a whack ass prop that doesn't hit. Like, and they promote it on the broadcast. Like they always bring up like the crazy bet. Yeah. 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 Well, like it's see, so, it's so embedded on the UFC broadcast and it's been like that for years, like line movement and odds. Like they, they heavily lean into that and they're incentivized to do with a partnership. They've always been like that. A lot of the sponsorship money is coming from these books. But keep in mind that um, if you go back, same thing with MMA. If you go back 15 years, it's like it's not even legal in Ontario, right? It's not even legal in New York. It's not legal in these different places. So you're fighting to get them to different places. Well, gambling is the same way. Gambling is not, elite, is not legal in a pile of states, right? So as a result, uh, you're slowly breaking into these new markets. You're slowly adding new profitability. When Ontario just legalized gambling really not that long ago, all of a sudden, now, if you watch TV, every single commercial is a bet online commercial. Every single commercial is a Bodog commercial. Every single add-on on your radio, they're pumping it because it's a multi-billion dollar industry. So, of course, you don't want to lose out on that. And I don't think the UFC will lose out on that. But it's just like growing pains because, uh, again, a place like Ontario, they're coming in. My personal belief on it as someone that gambles on MMA is that the, the winning margins on NHL are like 12%. The winning margins on like the NFL are like 16%. You know, the winning margins on tennis is like 8%. All these sports are nearly impossible to hit. MMA, the people made money, right? The winning, it's like 24%. Most of the favorites generally hit, right? So there's a lot more success right there. So I think, I think a place like Ontario that only just legalized it sees the numbers from the other groups and says we're losing money taking MMA bets, which hit way more frequently than all the other sports. There has to be something going on here. And so they're just freezing it until they can investigate the numbers more. Uh, quickly, before we let you go, Cody, coming up this weekend, we have UFC 282. This card has uh, taken some hits. It <laughs> lost its main event with uh, Yuri Prohaska and uh, Glover Teixeira, who is the, the odd man out in this uh, light heavyweight mix. Uh, earlier this week, Robbie Lawler off the card. Uh, several weeks ago, Bo Nickel removed from the show as well. Uh, what do we have left here on this, uh, this farewell to the pay-per-view of 2022 for the UFC that has your interest? Well, okay. Well, obviously they've scrapped up a, uh, a pay-per-view last second. As you said, there's not a whole lot of great spots. I'm actually, I love Robbie Lawler. I'm glad I don't have to see him get beat up one more time before the new year because, uh, you know, longtime fan favorite I am. Um, I would say, yeah, the main event, nobody really, it's crazy, John, that normally you have the number one guy versus the number two guy, right? The number one champion versus one of the top contenders. This fight is not the number one guy. It's not the number two guy. It's three and four, but it's a title fight, and they want you to pay for it. I'm excited to see Magomed Ankalaev. I think that he is pretty legit. I think that he should be the number one contender, and if he's got to go out there and beat Jan Blachowicz to get a little more name reputation, Jan, of course, can't be written off. A lot of his wins are when people overlook him and he's the underdog, so a little bit of interest there, but I will tell you something. I will tell you something, John. There's one fight, one fight only, that is going to save this card. Take it from a guy that's matched me a lot of fights, You know, been in the industry for a long time, the number three thing, number three thing that sells is a title fight. Yeah, people like title fights. They want to see, you know, a shiny gold strap go around the guy's waist. They will be interested in a title fight. The number two thing 
that sells, right, in the fight world is a, is a hot rivalry, actual human drama. We were training partners. I don't like this guy. You know, these guys don't like each other. They're pushing each other at the press conference. Actual drama sells. The number one thing that sells in the fight world, John, is a flat earther versus a round earther. Who is going to come out on top of this one? Bryce Mitchell gone and backed himself into a corner. Actually, I don't know if he believes in corners, but this is going to be a good <laughs> fight with Ilya Tapuri, man. Both BJJ black belts, both good prospects. UFC did not have to throw them against each other. They're both very marketable. Bryce has got some whack-ass opinions. Ilya's trying to put him in his place. That'll be a very good fight. I would say people's main event. Not inconceivable to see Bryce Mitchell win this fight and then jump into t- title contention, especially coming off in that win over Edson Barbosa. He's undefeated. He's got some opinions. But uh, the fact that they gave him his own camo-colored shorts, the marketing machine's behind him, and I think that he's got a very bright future. And for Taporia, again, another savage fighter with a very great skill set. So do you want to pay a ton of money to watch a bunch of fights that you could otherwise watch on a on a regular night? Maybe not. Maybe not. But this is a good fight that I'm definitely interested in. Yes. Uh, maybe someone could take Bryce Mitchell maybe out, out to the ocean and, and give him some uh, <laughs> some just, uh, you know, science tips. But uh, it, it, this should be a very good fight to open the pay-per-view. I would say just looking at the main card, obviously a very important fight for Darren Till. I think this is very much a crossroads type of fight for him. Like, where is his career uh, going to go, having lost four of his last five? And obviously, Patty Pimblett, who is in a major position on this card in many ways, promotionally, you have seen embedded, totally built around this guy, I would say more so than anyone on on this card. And he is taking on Jared Gordon, which is, you know, not a walk in the park by any stretch. Patty Pimblett, uh, he has shown his skills, but also some defensive liabilities. And, you know, where where is this guy going to be for the UFC uh, going into the next year? And, um, and his thoughts on journalism as a whole. I mean, these are all the questions going into UFC 282. Yeah, the more popularity you get, the more of a platform you get. The more of a platform you get, the more you're allowed to speak in public. The more you're allowed to speak in public, but you get punched in the head for a living. It doesn't always add up. Sean Strickland is going to get himself in hot water. It's just a matter of time. Bryce Mitchell probably gets himself in hot water at some point. Just a matter of time. Patty, who doesn't like Patty, right? But uh yeah, you put a microphone in front of someone's face, they're, they're going to say something eventually. Why he's going after... Oh, well, actually, do you want my personal take on this? I'll give it to you right here. So UFC 282 is taking a bunch of massive hits. As you mentioned, a lot of these fights have fallen off. You got a legitimate title fight everyone's excited about. You lose it, right? You lost that Bo Nickel. You lost that Robbie Lawler. You lost a lot of key pieces. Now, it's not just you and me talking about it. It's everybody talking about, this is a weak card. In fact, that's a lie from me. No one's talking about this card because it's a weak card. So they're noticing the trending numbers. They're noticing it's not all that good. Patty Pimblett, you're in the co-main event. You're our star. You're trying to get over. What's the best thing to do is to punch up with somebody in the media. Ariel Hawani has a giant following. Everybody knows who he has, right? It's not difficult for a guy like Patty and Dana to just throw a little podcast together, shoot some hot one-liners, get Ariel to engage them. And now, have you been on Twitter? It's all Patty versus Ariel. I thought they were going to book the fight for a minute. That's how hot it is right now online, John Pollock. But the main thing is people are now discussing the event. People might have not have known Patty was even fighting are maybe now paying attention. So I think it's a classic marketing ploy where it's like the numbers don't look good here. So let's just what what can we do that's cheap that's going to, you know, get people talking. You know? It's going to be a controversial thing at the press conference. It's going to be someone said something to have Ariel's millions of followers engage, have Ariel do a seven and a half minute reply to have those clips floating around people talking. Um, it's one of those no 
publicity is bad publicity for the UFC. This event's probably going to tank financially anyways. Why not just try to get a couple cheap buy rates up real quick? Well, Patty Pimblett did, if you get through all the Ariel Hawani stuff on the podcast with Dana, it right afterwards, they are talking about fighter pay and Patty Pimblett drops one of the most, uh, ridiculous comments I have heard in some time. And that covers some ground in the sport, uh, Cody, when he notes that his friend Brendan Lochnane just won a million dollars in the PFL. But look at his Instagram followers. I have so many more Instagram followers. I mean, what, what would you prefer, Cody? A million dollars here versus, uh, Two million Instagram followers. I mean, I mean, come on. Yeah, PFL is a crazy spot, right? Because it's not just like Brendan Lucane, a guy that was cut from, well, he didn't even get a contract on Contender Series, but no. Ole Obey Mercier just wins a million dollars. What's his following like? Barely existed, right? I'll, I'll it, take the million, Cody. Yeah, I take the million all day I'll, long. I'll figure out my Instagram crisis later as I uh, lie back on my my million dollars in the sport. But hey, it's uh, it's it's all that what you want out of the sport. Yeah, yeah. Guys like that, though, like Sean O'Malley is a great example. Like he, Because you set yourself up a platform and you have a podcast and you have sponsors, it's residual income. It doesn't matter if he even fights for the whole year. He's got money coming in. So Patty's got a great social media following. Connor doesn't matter if Connor ever fights again. If Connor just wants to sign autographs and do appearances, go to Irish pubs, you know, take a shirt off take a couple of pictures. Yeah, he could do it for the rest of his life, right? He's like Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson, everyone said, oh man, Don King took all of his money. He filed for bankruptcy. He's broke. He's, he's Mike Tyson, not broke, not broke. Can walk down the street, do a couple autograph signings, back on top, baby. And as you see with Mike Tyson, now he's a multimillionaire. So it's all about setting up that platform. Brendan LeKing got a one-off payoff, right? He got that million dollars and then who knows if it'll ever come back around again. Whereas... Paddy's built himself up something nice. He signed the UFC on a 12 and 12, wins his debut, and then immediately tells the UFC, I'm not fighting those other three fights. I want to renegotiate my contract. So they renegotiate his contract. He wins his second fight. He renegotiates again, takes his third fight. It'll be same thing with O'Malley. O'Malley renegotiated. They were going to cut him. He was saying he was going to leave. He says, "I, I this is how much I want. They gave him a nice contract. He says, I like it. He signs it. They said, if you want to make that kind of money, fight Peter Yan. He fights Peter Yan and wins and immediately takes the microphone, John, and says, well, we're going to have to renegotiate the contract now. These guys are not committed to the contract. It's always about renegotiating it and getting that more money. And so Patty's got some drawing power. Thing is, if Patty goes out there and loses to Jared Gordon, it's not going to be good for him, right? Certainly. I mean, that's that's always going to be the calculus in in the fight game that you are riding a hot wave, but it's it's very contingent on you staying relevant in your respective uh, weight class. Cody, it's always great to uh, catch up with you. It's uh, been too long. I encourage everyone to check out the Dog or Pass podcast along with the great Paul Shaughnessy. Uh, you guys have a show up going through uh, UFC 282 and Paul's utter hatred, disgust for Patty Pimplett. Yeah, he's not a big Patty guy, but uh, he should be because Pat Paul Shaughnessy is the only other guy that I know that could yo-yo and wait the way Patty Pimblett does. Like Pat, he would go to like 230 pounds and then drop down to 170. So I don't know if Patty Pimblett's also on that keto diet come fight time as one Paul Shaughnessy is, but uh, Paul said the yo-yoing ruined his immune system and now he's a celiac. So I would advise to Patty Pimblett, watch yourself, pal. Maybe try to clean up uh, the in-between camps. But uh, the barstool sports backing, the, the food stuff, the funny haircut, the – uh, he'll, he'll be, he'll be a star. If he doesn't want to fight MMA anymore, he could go over to wrestling. You know, the business, the guy, the guy's got that it factor, but they've got to match make him accordingly because Sage Northcutt had the it factor. And then once you get into the deep end, uh, there's no coming out. 
likely or unlikely, Patty Pimblett on the MMA Hour in 2023. Yeah, likely, likely. I, I think we get an in studio reconciliation next year. I feel, I feel it's not scorched earth between the two. It would depend. To me, it depends on Dana because Dana seems to be the one with like the biggest issue with Ariel. So the fighters are obviously going to take Dana's side and then you know cause issues with Ariel as well. But look how Dana fires Ariel. He doesn't give him the platform. He doesn't give him the post fight interviews. He doesn't give him all that stuff. And then Ariel's show thrives, right? All these fighters want to still come on the show. All the best interviews from the week that you see come from the show. Ariel Hawani, you can't take away anything from him. Uh, he, he's the best, right? The only knock I would have on him is he's such a great journalist. And then he had that opportunity with James Krause. The guy's right there. Why not ask all these questions that I got in my head? There's so many red flags. Like he could have grilled him right there and got the story, but he, he played an infomercial for him that got him thousands of people on a discord. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, I, I think for a lot of people that were not are not following this as closely, like that interview predated this this whole controversy. That, yeah, I, yeah. I think yeah. now you look at it, and I, I think a lot of people, myself included, are learning a lot more about this and just what 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 the extent of what James Krause was doing. Like we see a lot of fighters now with YouTube channels, they give out their picks, and it's almost like recreational fun. And this was this seemed to cross the line into like this is a full time business for the guy. And to your point, I mean, he is stating in that interview the fact that he makes more than anything else at, at at gambling so i think if james Krause comes out again uh i i think the um there would certainly be a lot more probing into what the extent of of this whole um enterprise was for james Krause, which it's shaping up to be a good description of yeah i i don't think they cared as much with colby covington dressed up as uncle sam sitting in a hot tub being like yeah there's no way Algerman sterling loses this weekend they were fine with that they were fine with that the actual digging into somebody hurting themselves they uh they weren't so fine with so um yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll leave you with this. Likely or unlikely, James Krause on the MMA Hour 2023. Ooh, I'm going to say unlikely on that one. I don't know okay. if he's going to be getting um, advice to be speaking publicly at, at all. Oh, um, that's fair. Yeah, if I was his lawyer, I'd be like, no, not happening. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure he wants to get his side out, but I see that being uh, unlikely that he's going to be doing any uh, media-related interviews. Um, but but we shall see. So there you go, everybody. 2025. <laughs> possible yes so again uh go check out the dogger pass podcast with uh cody and paul uh you can also watch it on the fight network uh, a television star is one cody saftik and follow him online at cj saftik on twitter and uh anything else you want to uh throw out there cody no that's it take uh, i appreciate everyone taking the time and john always a pleasure my man we get to see each other well we used to get to see each other every day and now we you know few and far between there was a pandemic in between we've both had kids in between uh so this little bit of 20 minutes half hour 45 minutes of just you know being able to go back and forth with you it feels nostalgic to me man so thanks for having me on hopefully we can do it again the next time somebody's going to jail Always an open door here, Cody. Uh, congrats on fatherhood, and we will definitely do this again soon. So thanks to everybody for joining us, and uh, we will be back uh, this weekend. We'll have a UFC 282 post show live Sunday, 1 Eastern, with myself and Eric Marcotte, and go through all of the happenings and see what happens between the battle of the Flat Earther versus the Round Earther this coming Saturday in Las Vegas. Goodbye.